I love him. I love y'all. Thank you for giving me a moment here. Minister Mike going to bring heaven in now in Jesus' name. Come on, come on. You can put your hands together. Come on, if I, if I begin to... If I begin to prophesy, I would say, don't worry that my word is not on rebellion. You can relax. Take a deep breath. The Lord just asked that I share my heart with you all as we are going through excuse me, his heart in regard to your soul salvation. And, you know, y'all can have a seat. We're going to talk today. Something that was is really pressed. And I, I got stuck. I'm, and I don't, I don't like to admit stuff, but I got stuck because I remember being in Sunday school in my firm ministry real young and they taught us Romans 10 9 and 10 and they had all the kids stand up and say it and repeat it and you know it, it felt good at the time because we were told this is how you believe and this is how you are saved and you got to say it like this and you're saved and even as a kid I stopped at the last sentence don't it say shall be saved doesn't say you will or wilt in the King James be saved. And I'm like, okay, well, this has got to be it. As I grew up in ministry and my tenure in Christ, Lord, something ain't sticking. Because if I'm saved now, why am I still going through so much? And if I'm saved now, why am I still misbehaving the way I'm misbehaving or acting the way I'm acting or thinking the way I'm thinking? You said, if, if I believe what I was taught, I'm saved now. Okay, when well, Maybe I'll just do comic books because when I start thinking about Superman, when Lois was falling off the building and he saved her, she's no longer falling, right? She's no longer, she's, she's not having that problem. You know, they brainiac and pushed her off the building and Superman sweep in and grab her. Lord, I know you better than Superman. And I know you better than DC Comics. So if I'm saved, why am I still falling? And, listen. It was something to think about. And, and, you know, not that I was nervous, but I began to feel the anxiety behind the, the teaching. And the Lord said, I want y'all to do it with me. He said, Mike, take a deep breath. Come on, y'all help me. Take a deep breath. I need, I, whoa, whoa, that was a little heavy on this side. Take another one. Thank you. In conversation last night, it came up that the issue we have with the truth isn't the truth. The issue we have with the truth is realizing that we're wrong and realizing how far we are from right. So as I'm, I'm thinking about the sermon and going over the sermon about working out my soul salvation, God, have I ever really worked my soul salvation? Have I ever really been walking this out or have I been exercising the premise that I'm already saved? It makes you think about your steps, right? It makes you think about, okay, well, if if I knew then that this was a future tense of the word, would I have still done and behaved the way I was behaving? Would I have done things a little differently? Because, you know, a lot of the, you know, I'm illustrative. I think about gymnasts and gymnasts get on that tightrope and they do their thing because they know the net is under them. They know even if I slip, the net is good, I'm going to be fine. Imagine what your walk is like when you thought you had something under. You thought your salvation was already cinched in. So I'm walking and behaving and doing. I'm already saved, though. I'm good. I'm already saved. And then I'll do something else and repent and ask for forgiveness, but I'm already saved. I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm already saved. Don't worry about it. No, no, you probably should worry about it because the Bible talks about working out your own soul salvation. The scripture that came to mind as I was preparing is 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 
we're gonna go we'll probably get down to the 19th verse but I want to start on the 17th verse and the scripture reads therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature old things are passed away behold all things have become new again I told you I, I got stuck because as I'm reading that it all lines up to I'm not saved yet I'm working out the process of being saved now the end result is Christ already won so my inevitability, my inevitability is I'm going to get to the point of being saved. But what is my responsibility in the meantime? What is my responsibility? How am I supposed to behave in the meantime? First part of the scripture says what? If any man be in Christ Jesus. So I'm, I'm big for words. If. That's a probability. That's a you could or could not be. If a man be in Christ Jesus. I want to deal with the scripture as we're going to walk straight through the scripture but certain parts I picked out was being in Christ Jesus old things passing away and if you go down to the end of verse 19 the ministry of reconciliation so the first part you know I, I like to use scripture we're going to Philippians 2 and 5 it says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus the Holy Spirit highlighted verse 8 of that and he says, Christ was obedient unto death, even to the death of the cross. So if any man, if any man, if, somebody say that with me, if, if any man, so I made a decision, I want to be any man, I want to be that person, I want to be on this side of the fence. Letting this mind be in me that was also in Christ Jesus, verse 8, to the point of obedience to death. What does it mean to have this mind of Christ within me? Because it's, it's easy to put a bumper sticker on my car, and it's easy to put a Facebook post, and I'm sure Morningstar, as much as I love them, they sell tallits and prayer shawls by the basket full. Does any of that say that I have made up my mind? Does any of this affiliate work, you know how with sororities, they always got their stuff embroidered and throwing up gang signs and stuff? Now think about it. Is any of that saying that I'm actually saved? No, well, not by God's account. You know, it looks good to my neighbor when they see the WWJD on the back of him. Oh, he a Christian. He must be a Christian. He got the fish on the back. But think about it. <laughs> Listen, this is stuff I was going through as a kid. Because I would go by when, when WWJD was a big thing, and I would go at people's cars. I'm like, oh, they, they sanctified. They holy. And then, oh, no, they not. Oh, snap. Okay. I wasn't supposed to see that. My bad, Jesus. I'm sorry. I wasn't supposed to see that. <laughs> but what does it mean, let this mind be in you? When you read the scripture in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, it talks about Christ didn't have an issue not being equated with God. Christ didn't have a problem coming down into our mortal stage so that he can show us that this is actually possible. But remind you, it's Christ. He knows himself. He's aware of what he carries and who he is. But in that, didn't have an issue with the humility part that I have to do this so that you'll be successful. How much of us are willing to be humble like that? How many of us are willing to flex that Christ muscle to that degree? We were talking about with the men last night, uh, a chapter in the book that we're studying, talking about being willing to accept consequences and how sincere it has to be. I can tell you you're wrong doesn't mean you have to receive it. So how willing are we to really flex that Christ muscle? Really look at the nature and the character of Christ and then walk it out in our personal lives. Now, mind you, God is not 
without understanding. He even writes in the scriptures that we're going to fall short of the glory of God. He's aware that you're going to try, and I appreciate you trying. You're not going to hit the mark, though. That's cool. We, we, we have the same understanding. We're fine. Keep working out what? Your soul salvation, right? So in order to utilize this mind of Christ, I begin to pick through what I know of him. Well, who was Christ? He was a champion for the people. He was an intercessor, a mediator, the son of God. Look at how he walked through the Bible. We're not going to hit every script. Look how he walked through the Bible in humility and in kindness. But the one thing that stuck out the most was his level of focus. His level of focus was so sincere. I was sharing with someone a couple weeks ago about 12-year-old Jesus and how they had went for the census. And, you know, they were making their way back home. And, hey, uh, Mary, you got Jesus? No, Joseph, do you got him? No. So they, they ran back. Oh, snap, we lost the Messiah. How are you going to prophesy to me that my baby going to be this special and don't nobody got said baby? Oh, I, I love how all the aunties just perked up. Y'all responsible, too. You know it takes a village. So when they went back to look for Jesus, he was in the synagogue dealing with the Pharisees and Sadducees. And he says to them, why did you look for me? Did you not know I'd be in my father's house? And I'm like, man, that laser focus from Christ, even at 12 years old, I'm here for a specific purpose. I'm here to do an exact thing. There's an assignment on me, and I can't afford to go left or right on this. I have to get this done. Think about it in the same context as you're working out your soul salvation, that our focus has to be that of Christ. Things are going to come up and situations are going to happen. There's going to be changes in our lives, but what should my focus really be? Now it's great because the scripture tells us that greater work shall we do. So we always get excited about the greater and the more. And what can I do? And what, what gift did you give me, God? And what office am I walking in? But if you are not stopping at the laser focus, making myself available for God, making myself be in position, whether, watch this, because it's, it's, sometimes it's hard to still want to do the Jesus thing and know that you ain't right. Oh, it's just me? Because I be having these issues, God. Why, why you want me? You, you know better than anybody that I ain't screwed too tight. Why you want me? What is, the, what is the desire that you have for me? And it becomes humbling because if they don't see it and if they don't know about it and if you didn't reveal it to your apostle, you still know. You watch me do it. You watch the words come out of my mouth and my behavior be poor. Why do you want me? I begin to, you know, look at God's love a little differently after that. Because when I'm not focused and when I'm not on the job and when I'm not on task and I may be a little off this week, your love is sincere. It's, it's lacking contingency. I'm glad someone got excited about that because the one thing that we are really missing in, in the uh, world, I believe the song prophesied, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. Not just for some, but for everyone. But it wasn't talking about my love to my wife. It wasn't talking about the love for me to my kid. It was talking about the love that we that God has for us that's so sincere that while you're in your mess and dealing with your issues of your soul salvation, I still love you. I still desire you. I still want you. My thoughts of you are consistent. I can't change my mind. And even if I could, I wouldn't. Because sometimes, if we're going to be a little real, working out my soul salvation takes me out of here dealing with me hurts can I be a little transparent with you 
It don't matter that I'm standing behind the desk right now. I got this really nice jacket that our apostle picked out. Working out your soul salvation hurts. Because now I got to realize and equate this great love God has for me and how poor I've been responding. We'll court and date and chase and do all this stuff for somebody we think is uh, uh, additive to our life. But how much have I been giving to God? How much have I been pouring back in? What's the reciprocity on this relationship? Because every time I don't show up for you, God, you still show up for me. I love the context that we learned that God is God whether we accept it or not. That he is the king whether or not we reverence him. He's still who he is. I love the consistency. But again, it, it, it troubled me personally because now I have to sit in my stuff. And I got to look and and realize how many, how many years have I wasted not doing this the right way? How much time have I wasted? Y'all know me, I like to talk about Bible math because God math is only God sense. Because one day is a thousand years. God, your spectrum is wide. But then I think about it the other way. If I've wasted 18 years of my life, y'all really want to pull out the calculator and look how many days that really is? That's a lot of math. So if I've been spending all this time doing it my way, doing what I think is right. We talked about doing the right thing out of his will. It sounds good, and it, it, it's, it lined up to, you know, biblical principle. Did he ask me to do that right now? Did he ask me to hand that person money, or did I feel I wanted to give them money? Where, where am I at? What am I doing in this? Because we do a lot of things that seem right. The Bible says there's a way that seemeth right unto man. We do a lot of things that seem right, but we struggle with the one thing that God says is right. So I'll, I'll show up because I know I'm supposed to be here, and I'll, I'll put on my uniform because I know I'm supposed to. What's your heart like? What, what's, what's, your, what's your mind like? Because as much as my throat be hurting putting on this top button, what's my heart like about it, though? Am I receiving the honor? Am I receiving the integrity? Am I thinking about the sacrifice that God did for me? I don't know why we put the crucifixion so far off and we use the world's math of thousands and thousands of years ago. The crucifixion should be right in your face. It should be just as real as you today as it was when it happened. We should have the same conviction that John and Peter and Matthew had because the crucifixion is supposed to be just as real today as it was then. Letting this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Thinking about where in my life can I line up? The word then brings me to Romans 7.15. Anybody else love Apostle Paul like I love Apostle Paul? Now, I give honor and respect to all the authors in the Bible. But Apostle Paul was a real one. Apostle Paul went through some stuff and he had no problem telling you he was going through some stuff. He told you straight up, I'm the worst of them. And somehow he still picked me. The word reads in Romans 7:15. First part I had to stop at. The author says, I do not really understand myself. Oh, I forgot. Y'all don't realize we so so work here happens here. Oh, okay, so work definitely happens here. The beginning of the scripture says, I don't understand myself. I'm unaware of myself. For what I want to do, what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. This is why we need the mind of Christ. 
This is why we have to have the understanding like how Christ had the understanding because the war that goes on within us is laid out in the scripture right there. I know exactly what I want to do. I want to wake up at 3 a.m. prayer. And I want to be up at 4 a.m. prayer. And I want to give like the big time givers. And I want to be stressed out. I'm just being stressed. But I don't do those things. I do the exact thing I hate to do. All right, I have to be honest by myself. Think about it. It says, I do the thing that I hate to do. Verse uh, 17 goes down, talks about the sin that lives within me. Now, we understand that the word gives us means to cast things off. That we can repent, we can ask for forgiveness, we can confess. But our nature is another thing. Remember, all seeds beget of themselves. So when Adam got the curse, who got the curse? We all got the curse. So we're all dealing with being shaped and, and formed in the naked. We all have this latent thing within us that we have to deal with. Everyone wants to be theological when we talk about Paul's thorn in his flesh. We don't know what it was. We can speculate. We can say a bunch of things, but it doesn't say specifically what the thorn was. But it, all, but it makes sure that it alludes that even in his magnitude, his great teaching and his ability, he had a thorn in his flesh. He still was dealing with something that may not be of God. I'm still carrying some kind of weight within me that may not be right. But did we ever see that Apostle Paul stopped his ministry over the thorn? Did he stop moving because of the thorn? Did he stop showing up because of the thorn? Did he stop having honor and integrity because of the thorn? Did he have these issues because of the thorn? No, he acknowledged the thorn, but put supremacy on God. I, I got a problem. I got an issue, but God is greater. I got a mindset, but Christ's ministry is primary. I have something to do. It, it, it's 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 hard to take even brought me to tears a little bit because I'm like God how have I been doing it wrong this long I thought how you know how to say that I, I preached in your name and I prayed in your name and I prophesied in your name how have I been doing it this wrong this long and I can't say it's my upbringing in church theology only has a percentage of the responsibility because the scripture says to be willing to show thyself approved, a work with me and not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I have a responsibility to this work as well. I can't put all the blame on my former ministry, and I can't put all the blame on my mama and daddy. Sometimes it's me. Oh, can I be a little bit more honest? It ain't really sometimes. Most of the time, it's me. At a certain point of responsibility, I can't keep shifting the blame to everything and everybody else. Paul writes in, in Romans 7, I don't even know myself. I don't know my triggers. I don't understand my issues. I don't understand this thorn in my flesh, but I know that it's there. Yeah. Culturally, societally, we're, we're almost conditioned to ignore the thorn and continue to move. That's not God's will. First Thessalonians tells us that he wished that we behold mind, body, and soul. And it's not that he wants us to ignore the thorn. I want you to worship me more. I want you to desire me more. I want you to be in unison with me more. I know that you're carrying something heavy, but what I have for you, the Bible says that the yoke is easy and the burden is light. What I have for you is greater than that thorn. But it, those, these two parts of the sermon go hand in hand, that when I'm dealing with myself, I got to find myself with the mind of Christ. I, I find myself so often going back to Gethsemane. 
and looking at how the duality of Christ is happening in scripture. He's thinking about what's coming. He's thinking about what they're about to do to me and what I'm about to endure. And I love the elders in training we were studying and began to talk about what biological things had to happen for you to sweat blood and how much duress you have to be under for your capillaries to burst and to come out of your pores, not your tear ducts, your pores. That is an actual thing. When I looked it up, it said it's actual, but it's not probable because that level of stress will kill you. So before you even sweat blood, you'll die. Jesus is going through this in the Gethsemane while still interceding and still working it out and still doing what he needs to do. How many of us have seen, let's be honest, in our own lives, it takes a good gust of wind to knock us off. It takes a, a little disagreement to pull us out of church. It takes a little bit of issue to make us forget God. That's all right, because I've learned to preach to myself. Because it take, it, it's, it's, the scripture says the little foxes. It didn't say big. It didn't say opposition. It said little foxes. These small things that come and irritate that thorn in your flesh. Irritate that issue. I'm, I'm talking to, because you know in the movies, when they, when they stab you up in the movies, they tell you don't remove it because you're going to bleed more. That thing is being irritated while it's in my flesh. But all I really have to do is lean on the mind of Christ. Lean on my understanding of what he's already doing. Working out my soul salvation is not as hard when I realize I'm not doing the work. I'm showing up to be available. So when the prophets pull something out of me or apostle corrects me or the Holy Spirit gives me something to do different, I'm available for correction. I'm available for consequence. I'm available for understanding. I got to be available for these things. What does it profit me? What does it do good for me to be elevated wrong? To be promoted and filthy? It doesn't do God any justice for us to go uncorrected. He was talking to me this morning, the Holy Spirit was talking to me this morning about his love language. And we always think that it's blessing and money and cars and, you know, uh, tantalizing my flesh. God's love language is correction. I only chasten them that I love. I only correct something I see value in. I only deal with something that I have an investment with. I'm only correcting you because I care. For other 80s babies, we know when we used to get a whooping, they would say, it's hurt me more than it hurts you. Think about God's perspective. When I rather do good by you, when I rather continue to bless you, I gotta stop to correct you. Because if I don't correct you, you'll grow as an anomaly. You'll grow something that's misaligned with what I have for your life. I got to correct you. So as I'm dealing with this and I'm working on, okay, my soul salvation. I can be honest, in, in, in my youth in ministry, my younger days, I had such a zeal. I can honestly say it wasn't for God. It was for promotion. It was my soul looking to be promoted in places that I was not vetted for. I was excited about, oh, I get to wear a collar now. Pastor Grimm tell you, we was talking our very first time putting on a collar. I was so, what? I was so gassed up. The night before, we was trying it on and stuff and taking selfies for some selfies for the internet. What angle looks good? If I go back in my iCloud, I, I put one this way, one this way, one backwards, one forwards. Because you got to check where you're misaligned at. The work of your soul salvation is going to show you where you've been misguided. 
So I'm spending all this time in my early tenure chasing something that if I just let God do his work. I remember I was doing something in Apostle's office and, you know, Apostle do, do stuff that make you question your whole life. <laughs> you was in a meeting, wasn't even paying me no mind. I was building something. And I said under my voice, I can leave like that. It's all right. She said, stop. Remember who you're working for. Now, first one, she said, stop. I'm stuck. What'd you say? <laughs> the first, the next thing she said was, enjoy the journey with Christ. Slow down and enjoy the journey. And I've shared that with so many people since then because our pursuit for God may not actually be God. You want the benefits of being near God without the tribulation of getting there. We have to learn about the vetting of actually getting there. We can't just want to ice skate uphill and get the promotion and get our name on the door and get the good parking space and sit in the front. You got to understand something. It comes by way of work. And if we're rushing and pushing and our pursuit is misaligned, what you get in the end is empty. It's great that my name be on stuff. And I remember Apostle blessed us, the, the elders, we had some cards, and it said, what did it say? From the desk of so-and-so. That was a notepad in the cards. And I'm like, oh, that sounds kind of dope. I can't, I had to write a little memo. I got to slide it off from the desk or something. I said, oh, wait, that exposed my issue. Why am I so excited for this notepad? Oh, I got a problem. When you're dealing with working with your soul salvation, what you're going to notice more often than not is the hardship of self. You're going to notice how much of you now is not the same, or excuse me, how much of you then is not the same as you now. You've been sticking to it. You've been working it out. You've been showing up regardless. Now go back and look at the versions. Look at yourself through the tenure of working out your soul salvation. You'll begin to notice where my motives are. What have I been working for? What really is my issue? Anybody else ever asked that question? What's my real problem? Because more often than not, when, when, when things happen, it's not what happened in the moment. It's what that thing brought up. It's what that thing bothered or agitated that has more of an issue. So, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here to have this conversation simply because it requires us, the next season that's coming in God, requires us to deal with ourselves. Because as we said in the beginning, he's a king whether or not we're in the kingdom. He's still who he is. What does the Bible say? He's God today, yesterday, and forevermore. I'm God alone and beside me there is no other. He's already established his kingship whether or not we're going to reap the benefits. Anybody else want to be on the outside of the wall? I'd rather not be out there. Especially what's coming down politically, economically, all these situations that happen in our society. I'd rather be in the safety of the wall instead of proximity to the wall. But it requires us to deal with ourselves. What about me is unpleasing to God? Although you love me greatly, what about me is unpleasing? Is it my responses? Is it my attitude? Is it really just my mindset? Because all this stuff comes from your mind. What issues of my soul have I not resolved? And it's speaking for me. It's coming out when I'm upset. It's coming out when I'm sad. What about my soul still needs to be put down on this altar so that I can deal with it? And that's the hardest part. The hardest part is the whole mess. The hardest part of the, the whole season is dealing with it. Because it's one thing for brother or, or sisters or apostle to say, hey, Mike, you have a problem. 
Okay. Cool. And not accept that. Not accept that truth or accept that reality that whether or not I want to embrace my issue, it's already being seen. It's, like I said, speaking for me. It's showing up in meetings. It's showing up in my job performance. It's showing up in my relationships with people. Why are we so hard-pressed to deal with ourselves? Where do we learn that blame-shifting or that disassociation with not dealing with ourselves? One of the big, that, honestly, that's really the biggest issue because if you think about it, this whole Bible's prophetic. What's already in here is going to come to pass. And again, it's an inevitability. Why am I making my job harder waiting on the end when I could just do it his way in the first place? What about my mind makes me want to do it the harder way? Why am I so willing to accept the long road? Again, illustrative. The short walk is what I should have took versus the long walk they did take. It's my mindset. Let this mind be in you. Because if they had stopped murmuring and they had just did what the job would be done, it wouldn't have taken that long to get from here to there. Right. But we run in our mouths and we have a complaint and we have an issue. Apostle, to the point they said, I wish we could just go back. I'd have been in a group, excuse me? Do you want to see the whip that I just got before we left? You want to go back where? Give me all the sand and the heat you got, Jesus. I'm not going back. I don't want that. Imagine what kind of mindset you had to be that I'd rather take opposition. I'd rather take being oppressed and in slavery than walk to my freedom. I'd rather deal with all this issue than take the free gift of freedom. Come on, we know we all love, we love that word, whether it's in Spanish, English, we love free. We'll take every free thing except free salvation. They put a free sign on it outside, I'll put a couch in my truck, quick. But we don't want the free gift of salvation. It's almost like, oh, look, the scripture might be true. That your flesh is enmity towards God. It doesn't want to yield. It doesn't want to submit. It has no desire to do the God thing. But I want you to reason within yourself. Who's in control? Who's in control of you? Even to the point that we have to say yes to the Holy Spirit. Who's in control? We got to learn to take a little more responsibility personally. Because I can give you a laundry list of reasons why my brain is the way it is. Does that mean I have less responsibility or I have more excuses? Less responsibility or more excuses. I have a ton of excuses as to why things happen. Doesn't negate the fact that I was involved in it. It doesn't take away the sense of responsibility. We still have to deal with the fact that it's me, oh Lord. It's literally me. So again, dealing with, let this mind be in you. I love that Apostle Paul, again, I'm good for commas. I love periods. I love semicolons because it, te it teaches you how to read the sentence. I don't really understand myself. Now think about Apostle Paul, super learner, smartest dude in the community, big clout, a lot of influence. You don't know yourself? Out of all the things you know, how smart you are, you're not aware? So then I know I wasn't trained by Gamaleo, and I'm not, I, listen, I'm smart sometimes. I'm not smart all the time. So if he don't know himself, what then I didn't have to question of me. Listen to the first, the first sermon about soul salvation. I, I, stopped, I stopped the recording. Lord, all right, let's, let's be a little more honest. Yeah, ain't nobody hitting me. Can't nobody see me. It's just me and you in here. 
I think it was a Wednesday after prayer. I just sat in the, in the front. All right, it's me and you early, door locked. Let's be a little honest. What's up? Because, you know, am I doing all right? Sometimes you got to check in with the Lord. Am I good? Like, are we working this out? Or am I messing up the steps? Because what I learned about the scripture says it's better to not be on the side of angry God. <laughs> I would like to know, sir, if I'm making you mad. Are we all right? <laughs> Listen, it'd be that simple. Are, are we good? We straight. I tell anybody I, through text messages, through phone or whatever, I judge people's response to me to let me know if we are right or not. Because I listen, your language will tell me if we got beef. How you respond to me says a lot. So I'm sitting there and I'm praying to ask the Holy Spirit and just as gentle, you know how the Holy Spirit do, real heavy but gentle, dropped it in my lap. You don't know what your problem is. I'm like, well, yeah, that's why I asked. He's like, no, no. You don't know the depth of your problem. It's deep-seated in there. It's not superficial. It's not something that you may be able to put a Band-Aid on. You got to go back and unwork some things to be available to rework some things. And I'm like, well, I know this, this, and this. That, that's still just the surface, son. You have to go a little deeper and find the root of the issue. See, the problem that I've noticed in the church is we like to deal with fruit and not with roots. We want to deal with what I can see outside of the stem. We don't deal with the seed. We don't deal with the part that's penetrating the ground. We deal with what I can grab and what I can see. Having an issue of character or issue of personality doesn't start with the fruit. It starts with the root. And if my motive really is to pursue God's kingdom and see the best come out of it, I can't just keep serving him fruit. Eventually, putting fruit on the altar ain't going to work. It was cute in my infancy. It was it was real cute when I put my my language and and my lack of uh, decorum. That's a good word. <laughs> my lack of decorum on the altar. It was real cute. And the season I'm in now, the sacrifice has to be greater. The what I'm laying down on the altar has to be a little meatier, because when I was a child, I thought and behaved like a child. Now that I become an adult, I put away childish things, which means I need now have to go in and dig to the root of my issue. Let this mind be in you. So realistically speaking, we're dealing with the inward conversion of the person. I love that the scripture talks about, uh, I want to do what is right, but I don't. Instead, I do what I hate. Let's be realistic about our issues. I've only heard a couple times, but let's be realistic. A lot of our sin is pleasurable. Oh, that's fine. You ain't got to confess to me. A lot of things we do wrong, we like doing it. Whether it's about our nature, whether it's we fall in, backslid, whatever the context, we like a lot of our issue. Because it that, that was nice. I like how that felt. Dopamine was released and serotonin. And I'm all kinds excited about my folly until the Holy Spirit shows up and tell me that I'm wrong. What I want to do, I don't do. So there's a conflict, obviously, between the old me and the new version of me. Remember, the word said, if, if a man be in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away. If I'm willing to yield, if I'm willing to give into it, that thing will meet its end. Not to say, you know, uh, Mr. Bond and I were talking upstairs, and you, when you deal with a person that has an addiction issue, they may be very clean, very long-term clean. 
But what they'll tell you is it's in there somewhere. And what I learned when I used to work at the halfway house, never be too sleepy, too tired, or too lonely because it'll trigger that thing to want to be fed. So we have to be, it'll be trigger, it'll trigger the thing to be fed. Being too sleepy, too lonely, or too hungry, it'll trigger it. And funny enough, well, we'll get into that. Anyway, <laughs> dealing with that, with that mindset, I'm like, dang, it's still in there, God? It's still, so even though I came to the altar and I cried and I gave it over and I cast it out, it's still there? That seed is somewhere hiding, waiting for an opportunity with me? So then what do I do when that seed shows up? Unfortunately, I've, I've entered into a season where that seed might be a little triggered. What do I do now? Remember, we're at war with the old version of me and I want the new version of me. It's the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is required to do what is needed in this season. How many of us are tired of repeating things? Tired of repeating issues and seasons and problems. And every time we turn around, it's the same reason why we're at the altar. It's the same reason we're calling the prayer line. Who Am I the only one that's tired? Because my prayers are starting to sound a little repetitive when I'm talking about me. It sounds a little drawn out that I keep asking God for the same thing over and over and over and if I believe him to be all powerful and I believe this salvation to be real why am I still dealing with the same thing over and over and over because I'm not being realistic about who I am I'm not being realistic about the old me versus the new me now the Bible talks about the new me and paints a really good picture of what the new me is supposed to look like but I'm not being realistic with the old thing that still lives in here I'm putting it away to put on good garbs and to make it look good and paint it up and dress it up. But when did I deal with it? So after I find myself doing altar work, I ask you, what, what are we praying for? Because it, it boils down to what you're willing to sacrifice for God. The comfort of my old man for the discomfort of a new season. I'm real comfortable in the things I know about me. I know what my strength level is. I know what my, my mental aptitude is for the most part. I know what skills I'm really good at. And then there's the stuff I'm not good at. I don't like dealing with those. I made the confession when we were talking with Apostle about some of my duties. I, I want to do them. I really do. I'm just not good at them. And can I get a help from the men? We don't like talking about the things we're not good at. We hate confessing the things we're not good at. I will bang this desk until it comes together before I tell you I didn't read none of the instructions and it's lopsided. My pride will kick the mess out this machine until it worked. Just so I can tell you at the end, I did it. Mind you, I'm going through, I'm, I'm going through changes. And no, it worked in the end. It just, it works adjacent, you know. It was supposed to put out ice. It, listen, it was supposed to put out ice this way. It puts out ice this way. Just move your cup, baby. Put your cup on this side. It still catch the ice. Thank you, brother. It still catch the ice on this side. It still work. It just may not look like the box. <laughs> it may not look like the picture. But hey, it worked. My, my drink's still cold. I might have to mop up the extra ice that fell, but it's all right. You know? Wait, wait, wait. Your pop says she rebuke it. Come on, brother. Lift your hands. Let's get free real quick. Let's be accountable. But I, I make that analogy because that's the hardest place for God to dwell in. Not hard for him, hard for us. Letting God into the weak side. Remember the word says that in our weakness, his strength is perfected. Not that he needed us. Not that any of that, you know, 
poor theology would tell you. But when we are willing to expose our weakness, God's able to show up for our weakness. But so long as we're willing to harbor it and not talk about it, we put a, uh, we almost put God in a box. I believe you to be healer and provider, but you can't be deliverer because I don't want to tell you about what I need to be delivered from. It wasn't until I was riding a car. He's, the Holy Spirit said, you know, I can see you, right? And sometimes, you know, the Holy Spirit plays on my intelligence because he knows I'm, I'm some, some way smart. I said, yeah, you omnipresent. He's like, no, no, no. I ain't talking about everybody else. I'm talking about you. I can see you right now. And I see what you're doing. How do you feel about it? So let me go on and pull over. Because <laughs> this ain't going to work out right if I don't acknowledge this. Let me go on and pull over the car. I apologize. I shouldn't have been talking to people like this. Or behaving. Or showing up like this. But my aim is not to be before you long. I want to put that seed in our minds. That what we're dealing with in this season is in preparation for what's coming next the Holy Spirit put on me to begin this sermon with prophesying and I want y'all to help me prophesy that the new has come come on no we're going to use our good prophetic voice the new has come I'm not waiting on it any longer I'm not in anticipation of it the new has already shown up and what it's really asking is for is are you willing to embrace it okay I got five people that want something new I know with me I'm tired of repetitive seasons I'm tired of repetitive outcomes I don't want to keep getting the same result of the same thing over and over the definition of insanity is just that I've been walking in an insane in the membrane kind of season and what I want out of God is on the other side of new it's already been slated, it's already been prophesied, it's been released, it's in the atmosphere. What we have to then do is embrace it. But you cannot embrace it with your hands closed. You can't embrace it holding on to the old me. You're not going to be able to acquire it keeping things from God when he, all he wants you to do is open up. In the working of your soul salvation, that's the end result. At the end of the verse, it talks about the ministry of reconciliation where Christ, I mean, excuse me, God in Christ brought us back to himself. And it wasn't just to bring us back to himself. It was so that we can go get other people to come back as well. So before we're looking for the anointing, before we're looking for the mantle and the office and hands laid on each other, before we're looking for God to do great exploits, we have to work out the reconciliation. Because you're still chasing me, God, and I should stop running. You're still looking for me, and I should just be found. We were talking about the book in Genesis. He said, Adam, where are you? Not that he really had to ask. He's want to see what Adam was going to say. And what did Adam do? Like us humans, when put on some leaves and hid behind a bush. Can he see me? Oh, can he see? Because I swear we forget that God is omnipresent when we're in trouble. He's all seeing God when we got to pray for some stuff. But when I'm in trouble, he can't see nothing. If I just hide right here, he can't see me. He can and what God is asking us to do is to receive the prophetic word on our lives. It's already been slated that new is our portion. Oh, I'm waiting for you. I'm already attached to mine. Are you attached to yours? Are you wanting things to, that are dead to stay dead and things I need life to to live again? I've already attached myself to what's coming next. But it requires that we have this realistic moment with ourselves. It requires that we think, if, if, if 
I'm going to be on this side. If I'm going to let Christ live here. If I'm going to do this thing. Let me do it the right way. Let me just lay this stuff down so God can deal with it. I don't want to be walking with Stockholm Syndrome and I'm holding on to the things that offend me. I'm holding on to the things that cause me harm. I'm abusing my th myself with the things that abuse me. How does that make sense? I'm holding on to relationships that are poor and only do all they do is take from me. But then when my, 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 my basin and run dry, I need the elders and the prophets to pray for me. But you got a siphon, right? You see the leech? Deal with it. Burn that joker off. Do what you need to do. It started with me. You can't be everything for everybody and nothing for yourself. At some point, the self-love has to go a little higher and you start revering yourself the way Christ reveres you. The value that's on your life, the investment he's put in there, there's a reason for all of this. So if I leave you with anything, take this week to prophesy over yourself. The new has come. When that same situation show up, the new has come. When that feeling show up, when that angry person at the job, when that, that issue that's being agitated within you, the new has come. Watch what your brain does the more you confess it. It's science. The more you say it outside your mouth, the more your mind believes it. And when your mind shifts, you'll see fruit. Amen? God bless you. Listen, I'm still working out that soul part. I wanted to get off this hot seat so bad because y'all think preaching is easy. Preaching burns when it's you first. It get hot when it's you first. My, my elbow's hot. Kneecap's hot. Socks a little too tight because it's me. Like, Lord have mercy, it's hot up here. But listen, I want to give you all the opportunity to receive the prophetic ministry. I want you to have the opportunity to receive someone agreeing with you in prayer for your new season. There's no shame in it. There's no issue in it. But the altar is open for those who need a little help. You need a little push into your new that you wanted. But God, I just don't know how to, how to jump over that side. I need a little assistance. The altar is open. We want to agree as a community that your new is here. You don't got to wait on it any longer. You don't have to just dream about it. It doesn't have to be a part of your imagination, but you can have the new thing now. Come on, if you're going to be in your seats and not at the altar, I need you to help us pray. This is a community effort. No one person by themselves, but all people together working this out. Come on, y'all start praying at the altar. Whatever the Holy Spirit gives you in your mind about what you need to put down, start praying on that. Like I said, those who are still in your seats, help us pray. This is a hard transition sometimes to give over to that authority in God. I can acknowledge you as great, God, but giving you my life is a different scenario. It's hard. It's painstaking. But I realize what I want, and what I want is you. What I want is that new, that new season, that new me, that new mindset, God. I'm tired of crying. I'm tired of the headaches. I'm tired of the health issues that's showing up because of where my heart is at. Come on, ministers, y'all help me pray. Those who have been released for altar work, come on and help me pray.
Take me in to 